Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Uh, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, your word can go to the deepest part of our heart and mind and bless and heal and save in Jesus' name. Amen. We don't have a lot of time, but uh, we need uh, the immune system that comes from the word of the Lord. Amen. Uh, we need to make sure we are balanced. We get the spiritual immune system, uh, even as we get the physical immune system. Uh, we must uh, take care of our spirit, soul, and body. Uh, that is the wise thing to do. So we're going to continue our message series, uh, uh, Deeper Still, uh, Seven Non-Negotiables of Going Deeper. Uh, today we're going to talk about the right heart, the right heart, all right? Uh, so we're going to talk briefly on the issue of our hearts. Uh, we're going to focus on several major things. We've, talked, we've covered two. Uh, we talk about brokenness in the first session, right, first series. Uh, that if you're going to walk with God, if you're going to go deeper with God, we must be broken, right? We must be broken. That's very important. Uh, you know, last week we talked about you must be part of a local church, you can't go deeper just walking on your own, being by yourself, uh, trying to say, you know, it's just about me, I'm saved, I don't need anybody know you're saved to be part of a family, and you need other members of the family to actually fulfill God's plan for your life. Today we're going to talk about the importance of having the right heart. Our heart is very important. Our heart is very important. Now... We're going to try to talk about what the Bible means by our heart. You see, when you look at the Bible, the word heart is uh, probably one of the most used, but also one of the least understood because it's really uh, very difficult to pinpoint what the Bible means when it's talking about our heart. It's very easy to pinpoint our mind because that's our center of reasoning. That's where we think. Uh, so we talk, you know, generally we talk about spirit, soul, and body when it comes to our spiritual composition. Uh, our spirit, we know, is our human spirit. That's what makes us alive. All right, when the spirit leaves the body, the body is dead. We know our body because that's our physical body, right? That's where we're housed in. We know our soul because our soul is the seat of our mind, which is our reasoning, our will. You know, and our emotion, we know that. But you see, now comes the heart. The heart is kind of all over the place. When you read the Bible, you know, the word heart is sometimes used to actually mean our mind. <laughs> sometimes it's used interchangeably with the word mind. So the Bible will say something like, as he thinks in his heart. Naturally, you think with your mind. Uh, but the Bible will also say, as he thinks in his heart. So you know that. So thoughts also can be in the heart. The heart can function as, a, as, as the mind. So the heart can be used 
interchangeably uh, with our mind. In Romans 10.10, 10, the Bible talks about if we believe with the heart, you believe and you are justified. With the heart, you believe. Now, the implication of that is believing in the mind is actually different from believing in the heart. So the heart, in a sense, is a deeper part of our mind, all right? So the heart is a much deeper part of the mind. Uh, oftentimes, we can believe in the mind. People can have a mental belief, but if it doesn't get to the heart, it doesn't become salvation. All right. A lot of time we can believe something even in our minds. That means it's casual. We have a mental assent, mental agreement with something. The fact that you have a mental agreement with something does not mean you truly believe it in your heart. So it is believing in your heart, you know, that leads to salvation. In Matthew 22, Jesus further confuses us when he says... Matthew twenty two thirty seven. 37, Jesus replied, Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. I mean, and he's so separate. I mean, so heart is his own separate, but he can function, you know, sometimes the way the mind functions. So our heart is, you know, kind of unique in that sense. Heart is also used interchangeably with the human spirit sometimes. You know, you look at the Bible, the word heart will almost mean your human spirit. In Ezekiel 36, verse 26, he says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. There's a combination, there's a there's a there's an implication there, there, there's a link. All right, because we don't get a new mind, really. We, our mind remains the same, right? And uh, our mind gets renewed, but heart is presented as if it's a spirit. In Exodus 35, 21, the Bible says, Then everyone whose heart was stirred and whose spirit was willing. You know, from that context, it's actually used interchangeably. So heart sometimes can function as our spirit. So the heart is a... It's a unique place in, in us. It is, so we can truly say from the Bible, it is the ruling center of the whole person, right? It is our ruling center. It is the spring of our desire. It is our control center. The co control center of a person is their heart. That's why the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart. You see, there are some thoughts that get to our mind, you know, but they don't necessarily get to our heart. Once a thought gets to your heart, it becomes a controlling factor in your life. You know, that's why, you know, when we talk about meditation, you know, so you can look at it this way. Your mind is the gateway. All right, your mind is the gateway. That's where you receive information. But you see, where the information really resides to become a part of you, to become a controlling factor in your life is in your heart. You know, that's why the Bible talks about in the parable of the sower, Jesus talks about the soil is the heart, right? You know, the, you know God really wants the word of God to get into our heart. As you are talking now, you are receiving the word of God into your mind. Like this, you are able to reason. For many of us, that is where it will stay. And when it's in your mind, it doesn't become a controlling factor in your life. But when you meditate on the word of God, when you really get yourself into that word, it 
can get into your heart. So it's not everything that gets into our mind that gets into our heart. Praise the name of Jesus. I know I'm really being technical, but the Bible is actually a technical book. If you don't understand some of these technicalities, it is very difficult to really understand the ways of God. And as believers, we must understand the ways of God. I'm going to read a verse, a a verse of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, a very popular verse that many of us know. Hebrews 4, 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active. If you're reading the old King James Version, it's quick and powerful. You know, some verses actually do sound better in King James. Amen. It's uh, alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. Now, it penetrates to the dividing soul and spirit. You see, the Bible is saying here, obviously, there's a space between soul and spirit. The Word of God, you know, there's a dividing space, you know, between soul and spirit. Joints and marrow. Now, it judges the thought and the attitude of the heart. I mean, so I believe the Lord gave me a revelation. This is many years ago of our heart. Our heart is the dividing place of our soul and spirit. Our heart is really the connection between our mind or our soul and our spirit. And that is why we must ensure anything that does not get to our heart does not become a a controlling factor in our life. You know, when we want something to become a controlling factor in our life, we must make sure we let them get to our heart. If you don't want anything to become a controlling factor in your life, you must make sure you don't let it get to your, your heart. Praise the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible talks about, you know, when Peter preached, you know, Peter preached the message. The Bible says they were caught to the heart, you know. Not all of them. For some of them, it stayed in their mind, you know, right? They rationalized it. They just did whatever. They said, oh, man, that's, that seems good. That seems wonderful. Uh, that Peter was so eloquent. You know, they just moved away. But about 3,000 people so or so, it cuts to their heart. That means it went through and went deeper. Hallelujah. So when the word of God gets deeper, it can affect our spirit. It can affect us and it can become a controlling factor in our heart. So he's saying that the word of God has the ability to go just beyond our mind into our heart and it can judge the thought and the attitude of the heart. So the heart is the center not only of our spiritual activity, it's the center of spiritual activity in a man's life, all right? You know, you must believe in your heart to be saved, right? Even in Mark chapter 10, verse 23, talks about if a man shall say, you know, if you declare a thing and you believe in your heart, right, you shall have whatsoever you say. If a belief is not in the heart, it doesn't become a powerful, controlling, and forceful belief, Praise the name of Jesus. So our heart is very important. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Did you see that now? So your heart is the center of your life. It's your spiritual center. It's your control center. It's, It's where 
you know, your life is controlled from. Everything you do flows from it. So your heart is, you know, is the center of all the operations of your life. All right, if you allow bitterness in your heart, it destroys, right? That doesn't mean that bitterness will not try to mess up with your mind, right? But when you dwell with it, after a while, it can get into your heart. When it gets into your heart, it's a stronghold and it controls your life and you need a lot of help. All right, and when, that's why we must allow the word of God into our heart, you know, to take root and it becomes the controlling factor in our life. So, your heart is very important. Jesus, you know, says something very powerful in Luke chapter 12, verse 24. He says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So, your heart is the center of your affection. Very, very important. And that's why it's important to know until God wins your heart, he hasn't won you completely. He hasn't won you completely. Until, you know, there are so many believers, God has, you know, God, they, they like the idea of God, you know, they entertain the idea of God, they come to church, they get emotional, you know, once in a while, you know, when they hear a good message, you know, they even cry during praise and worship. But really, it doesn't go beyond that mind and feeling and emotion, right? Until God gets to the place where your heart is worn, you know, your heart, which is the center of your joy, the center of your affection, the center of the oppression of your life becomes God, you know, he hasn't really won you. So God is after your heart. I want you to turn to your neighbor if you have one and say, God is after your heart. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. He's knocking the door of your heart. If anyone will open the door of their heart, God is really after our heart because our heart is, is the place that controls everything. Praise the name of Jesus. So the condition of our heart, that's why it's important. That's the essence of it. That's why the condition of our heart is very important. So important. And God really cares about that. You see, that is why, that is what is most especially important to God. When God looks at anybody, any man, he looks at the condition of our heart. Jeremiah 17, 10, the Bible says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to their deeds, deserve. That's very, very weird scripture. You know, so God looks at the heart. Now, actions, you know, but God looks more what is driving the action. Isn't that amazing? God looks at what is driving the action. That means God looks deeper. You know, sometimes there are people who can make some actions that may not be the best. But you see, God looks at the heart. What is driving that? And God sometimes can find a right heart even when the actions were not necessarily perfect. It's that, you know, there are a lot of people with perfect heart who maybe sometimes might not produce perfect actions. And there are so many people with perfect actions who are not being driven by the right heart. 
I mean, so that's why it's very important. God goes deeper. And that's why if you're really going to go deep with God, I call this non, I mean, the essential, right? Non-negotiable. You must have a right heart. Your heart must be in the right condition for you to really go, you know, deep with God. I'm going to read another verse uh, about what, how God treats our hearts. Psalm 139, Psalm 139, you see David is praying in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of righteousness. That's something we all have to pray. That's a prayer, you know, that we ask God. You know, you say, Lord, I offer my heart. And many of our worship tongues tend to just point us to that. But many times we don't even know what we are talking about. So hopefully after this, you know. When you hear the word heart, you know a little more about what those songs mean. So David says, search me and know my heart. If there's something wrong there, you know, I pray this prayer all the time. I say, Lord, purify my heart. You know, purify my motive. You see, there's, unless our heart is pure, it doesn't matter every, anything we try to produce. Every other thing you produce will be impure if your heart is pure. It's impure, rather. So it's very important. So in First Samuel, I'm sure many of you have thought about it as I'm preaching. I mean, you knew I was going to go there. You know, First Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. If you're a Bible scholar, you know that's a very, very important uh, place when he talks about this. So the Lord, Samuel went to the house of Jesse. You know, he was going to, you know, he just called. He called the house, you know, and he said, you know, I'm coming to visit you. I'm coming to just have dinner with you, and I'm going to bless your family. Uh, but the Lord told Samuel to go there because the real king of Israel, uh, the real the king that God wants is in the house of this guy. You know, so, and Samuel went, he went to the house of Jesse and he went there. Uh, and he said, gather all your sons together. You know, I'm just going to have dinner with you. We're going to pray. We're going to have a prayer meeting. We're going to have a service. And the Lord told Samuel, you know, when you get there, the person that is going to be the next king of Israel is in that house. Of course, the guy gathered all his son except one. There's a lot of theories about this. Some people think that David is a very young boy, so the father didn't think his presence was really relevant. And they needed somebody to watch the sheep, so maybe, you know, just, you know, really, I don't think your presence is that needed. So you watch the sheep and why we really do the important stuff. Some people happen to believe David might have been a, a child born out of wedlock. You know, the, and the man of God doesn't want the prophet to say, Who's mother? We, you know, where is this mom? And uh, some people alluded to this when David said, In sin did my mother conceive me. So probably was considered a child of sin. I mean, there might be a lot, a lot of theories. The Bible is not clear, but we can kind of theorize, you know, you know, to kind of really say, why was he left out? You know, when the prophet said, gather your children together and I'm coming to visit. So they went there and, uh, you know, and the prophet was looking around, looking around, and he saw one of the, one of the sons that was really tall, handsome, looked like a leader, Looked like someone that would really be a king, looked the part, talked the part. You know, I'm sure they sang, the guy sang the song was, I mean, his voice was amazing. 
I mean, I'm sure, I mean, everything about him just looked like this would be the king. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his heart, for I have rejected him. I mean, now, the word I rejected him means he was considered, right? I mean, you don't reject somebody that did not apply for a job, right? Do you, just reject, do you get a rejection letter from a, a job you didn't apply to? You're going to call them, no, I reject you before you reject. Why will you, <laughs> right? You're going to say, why will you reject me? I never even applied to your job. That's, that's, that's hurtful, right? So really, you know, so God said I actually considered him. I thought he was okay. I mean, he looked apart, he was high, everything was fine. I mean, he was really, really, but you know, I considered him and I rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at their heart. So this guy's problem was a heart issue. His problem was what is going on in his heart. It wasn't so much about his appearance, his action. His action seems right but something is wrong in his heart. And I pray that the Lord will find the right heart. If you're going to walk with God, you must get to a place where your heart is right with God. Hallelujah. I mean, that's, that's why this is very important. Now, I'm going to go through a few scriptures that talks about, you know, the kind of heart that we know in the Bible. We don't have a lot of time, but I'm just going to go through. People can have a divided heart. A divided heart is not right. That is a heart that is not fully with God. Psalm 86 verse 11 says, teach me, O Lord. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Right? So we need... And, you know, a non-divided, and a divided heart, rather, is not right. Yeah, so there are all kinds of hearts in the Bible. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'm going to give you a few examples. We have a deceptive heart. Psalm 12, verse 2. Everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips that harbor deception in their heart. Sometimes we can have a deceptive heart, a heart that deceives a heart that tried to control people's action to act in a certain way, right? Uh, so you can have deceptive heart, and we can. The Bible says the heart is deceitful. We can know it, right? The heart can be very, very deceitful. The heart of man, especially as human beings, we can be very, very deceptive. We can uh, pretend, we can pretend we love people when we don't love them, right? We can deceive people in so many ways. So sometimes, you know, we, we have to be very, very careful. That is a heart that is not right. Hardened heart is another example of a heart that is not right, right? A heart that is stubborn, a heart that closes up, you know, to God, to correction, you know, to God's instruction, to God's word. I mean, may we not have a hardened heart. You know, there are instances in the Bible where the Bible even says God hardened some people's hearts. I mean, that means if God really wants to really, really destroy someone, he hardens their heart. When a heart is hardened, you're not, you don't listen to correction. You're not pliable. You're not teachable. You're not correctable. You know, your heart is hardened, you know, before, you know, you know God can even speak. So, hardened heart is a heart that is not right. We also know of a, an evil heart of unbelief. 
or the, you know, it's a heart of unbelief, the Bible, or the Bible describes it as an evil heart. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 says, Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Some people, the Bible talks about a, a backslider in the heart is full of his ways. You know, people can have a, a heart of unbelief, you know. I mean, they can act as if they believe. They can show up in church like they are interested, but their heart is not there. Jesus says, these people honor me with their lips, right? But their heart is so far from me. So he cares about the heart. And he says, in vain do they worship me. So I don't care about a worship that, is, that does not involve of a heart that is close to God. We also know of a heart full of idol. Ezekiel 14, 3 says, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. It's a heart that is exalting other things above God. So a lot can be going on in our heart that will not make it right with God. That is why until really we have the right heart, it is impossible to go deeper with God. Don't forget we are talking about deeper still, right? The non-negotiables of working with God or going deeper with God. It involves a right heart. Now I have five minutes uh, and I'm going to talk about what kind of heart is God looking for. What is God looking for in my heart? There's a long list, but I think I'll give you three so we can close. Number one, God is looking for a pure heart. God is looking for a pure heart. That means God is not necessarily always looking for pure actions. Now, of course, pure hearts will lead to good actions, you know, but there's a lot of good actions that are not coming out of a pure heart. There's a lot of actions that people give that is not coming from the heart. There's a lot of honoring with lips, but the heart is far. It's a lot of time we can do that. So pure heart is important. Uh, David tells us this. Don't forget he's a man of the heart. He's a man after God's heart. You know, when, when he sinned against God, the first thing he said is creating me a clean heart because he knows that I have a heart issue. You know, he said, oh, no. I, I'm a man. God, God loved me because he found a man after, my heart, after his heart. My heart was with God. But gradually my heart departed from God. My heart went away. And that's why I could do something this evil. So he said, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Right? Renew a right spirit with me. Cast me not away from your presence. Right? You know, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Very, very important. So he knew. David, David knew this is a, you know, God cares about the heart. He said, you know, the heart of the issue with God is the issue of the heart. Praise the name of Jesus. So it's very important. Jesus also tells us, in Matthew 15, 18 to 20, that the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. Jesus is trying to talk about what defies. The one of the problems with the Pharisees is there was a lot of attachment to actions. You know, how people behave, how people act, what people do. That is what is more important to them. There's a lot of things with that. So what you eat, you know, you can't go to this when you do this. Don't eat with your, without washing your hands, you know, all those things. Now, obviously it's okay. Don't, don't, don't eat without washing your hands, right? <laughs> you know, but, but he's saying, but they attach a lot of spiritual importance to that. That is the only measure of cleanliness they know. All right? 
But Jesus said, you know what? Things that come out of a person's mouth is from the heart. And those are things that defile people. Out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. In other words, until sin conquers your heart, it doesn't really conquer your life. You see, sin does not affect your life. The, only, the first thing the enemy is looking for is to capture your heart. The enemy must capture your heart for you to be able to do evil things. When people do evil things and you're like, how? The enemy conquers their heart. You know, all these things come out of their heart. So it's very, very important. So God is looking for a pure heart. Number two, God is looking for a noble and a good heart. A noble and a good heart. A noble and a good heart is also a humble heart. Because Jesus used that in connection with our ability to receive the word of God. In Luke chapter 8 verse 15, he says, As for that in the good soil, that is the seed in this good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast uh, in an honest and good heart and bear fruit. So a honest and a good heart is a sincere heart, is a humble heart, is a receptive heart, is a heart that can receive the word of God and the word of God will bear fruit. You see, what is the usefulness of hearing the word when it doesn't land on a sincere heart, on a good heart, on a honest heart? That is the heart where the word of God can bear fruit and produce seeds of righteousness. The reason why two people will be in a church, they hear the same word, they hear by Bible study week after week, few years later, someone is transformed and someone is not, is the condition of the heart. All right, so it's very important to ask God to make our heart noble, honest, and good, and a good soil for his word. The last one is God is looking for a heart that is fully committed to him. A heart that is loyal, a heart that is fully committed. A committed as is a heart that God can trust. A heart that will not be deceived by the enemy easily. There are a lot of people who are not fully committed. They are double-minded. They are still open to other things. They are, you know, they are not fully committed. They are divided. They are double-minded. They are double. They are just not fully there. Second Chronicles 16.9, For the eyes of the Lord ranges or runs through and flow throughout the earth, to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed. God is looking for hearts that are fully committed to him. First Samuel 13, 14, But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his heart. That is David, a man after his heart. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. So my challenge to you is, ask God, to give you the right heart. Can we bow down our heads and pray? Say, Lord, give me the right heart. A heart that is pure. Purify my heart. Purify my heart. Give me a heart that is pure. A pure heart. A heart that is undefiled. A heart that is noble and good. That is a good soil for your word. Give me a heart that is fully committed to you. A heart that you can look at and say, I found it. A heart that you can inspect and you can accept. Because I need such a heart to go deeper with you. 
Lord, thank you. Thank you, Father, because you've answered our prayer. And if you have not surrendered your life to Jesus and you are here, you are listening to me, uh, if you are here in person, that's great, uh, or you're watching, I'd like you to really pray this prayer with me. You know you've not even started, but you want to start today. That's the good news. I want you to just repeat after me. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for me, because you were buried, and on the third day, you rose. Today, I believe in my heart that you died for me, and you were buried for me, and you rose for me, and I offer you my heart. Be the center of my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer with me today, I'd like, you to, I'd like to know. I'd like to be part of your life. I'd like to pray with you. Uh, that same link will be there. If you're online, agapehousenj.org slash connect. Please make sure you fill that and click that I committed my life to Jesus today. If you're here in person, use your phone to go to that link and you know, make that, you know, let us know that God did something in your life. Praise the name of Jesus. Our um, earth awareness continues. Uh, you, there was an email sent with the link to the Zoom. Uh, uh, so if you, if you, you know, you can check.